Welcome into the Grace Point Daily Podcast. My name is Jeremiah Johnson. Today, we're going to be talking about living with no regrets, and it is 2020. I hope you guys go back and check out some of the other episodes that we've busted out so far this year. We have one, the very first one that we kicked off with was called There's Power in the Name of Jesus. The second one, What's Your Test Score? We've been getting back into the groove with Rick Maynard and the verse by verse. We had the one and the only Carmen on the Grace Point Daily Podcast, so so great episode. So you can go back and check them all out. They're not relevant to today. So if you go back and listen to the old archive, it's not like they're relevant to that particular day. So check them out and we're diving in. It's 2020. Isn't that kind of crazy? So today I want to take a moment to talk about no regrets. And this is a popular theme when we step into a new year, when we New Year's resolutions, all those kind of things, right? So let me ask you, start off by asking that question. What regrets do you have? an ever popular phrase uttered at the beginning of a new year, right? I've heard this many, many times before. It's like live life with no regrets, bro. You know, like, like we're, we're so perfect that like that we're going to make that commitment and then we're literally going to have no regrets. Well, here's the, here's what I believe. And there's some different theories on this, but I, I think I'm going to prove it out for just a moment. I don't think it's possible to live life without regrets. Uh, I said this the other day, I was actually teaching this in a live audience and I had someone, someone's eyeballs just like, boom, like popped open. Like, because I said, yeah, you know, uh, <laughs> how many of you believe you can live live? No regrets. And that individual's like, yeah, woo. And then I said, um, I don't believe that's possible. And they're like, wait, I'm, I'm all disappointed. And listen, we're imperfect. We're not God, which leads me to a very interesting part of God's story. And this is powerful. Check this out. This is what everything I'm going to talk about in the next few minutes is based off of this particular verse in Genesis chapter six, verses five to eight, reading it out of the amplified version. It says that the Lord saw the wickedness, depravity of man and was great on earth, was great on earth. And that every imagination or intent of the thoughts of his heart were only evil continually. The Lord, and here it is, catch this out, check this out. The Lord regretted that he had made mankind on earth and he was deeply grieved in his heart. So the Lord said, I will destroy, annihilate mankind whom I've created from the surface of the earth, not only man, but the animals and the crawling things and the birds of the air, because it deeply grieves me to see mankind's sin and regret that I've made them. But Noah found favor and grace in the eyes of the Lord. All right. So remember that live life with no regrets. Have you ever had regrets? Those kind of things. All of you that raised your hand are like, yeah, woo. Well, guess what? then you have put yourself above God because God has had a regret and God has regretted before. And you know, the one thing, the one regret God had, it's kind of crazy to think about as I was going through the word the other day, that the Lord regretted that he made man. Listen, this is not exclusive. Although I read that out of the Amplified, it's not exclusive to that version. The Bible says that the Lord regretted that he made man. Isn't that crazy? If God had regrets over something, how can I live life with no regrets? That the, that's the thought that I'm presenting to you. If I'm going to make this anthem like, I will live life with no regrets, I will be perfect. Well, guess what? God has had regret. God regretted something, and it was our it was us, right? So let me clarify something real quick because you might want to just hit the stop button and you want to be like, I just rebuked that in the name of Jesus. I'm not going to listen to this podcast anymore. Okay, listen up for a second. The expressions of regret and grief seen here do not mean that God acknowledged the creation of man as a mistake on his part. This is important, all right? God, for a moment, regretted that he made man, 
but not to the extent that we're a mistake. All right. You are not a mistake. I'm not a mistake. No matter how evil or wicked God created us because he loves us and he wants to have a relationship with us. And God's omniscient, knowing all things. We see this in verses like Psalm 139, verse 16. And he knew that mankind would come into sin and wickedness. So God grieved over the sin of man because it was appropriate for him to do so, okay? Guys, here's the the issue, is that it bothers God when I don't live up to the standard or potential that he has envisioned for me. God, you know, we're created... I've talked about this at the beginning of the year at our church. We're created in the image and the likeness of God. God has emotion. God has feeling, and it grieves his heart. It grieved his heart that man whom he had destined to have this beautiful relationship with had become so evil, I mean, to the point of literal regret. And here's the solution. What was God's solution to all this? Well, based on the version that you're reading, and I made sure to look at every single one, BibleGateway.com, they have like, pretty much everyone, and a billion of them, all right, not quite a billion, but but here's some of the words that God begins to use as his solution for the regret that he has for humanity. Destroy, annihilate, wipe out, blot out, exterminate, <laughs> get rid of, make a clean sweep. Okay, in other words, this is not good. This is not good for man. It's one thing if, if some person thinks of me this way, but God, if God begins to think this way in this manner over me, like I'm done for, bro. Like I'm, I'm done. But, but, okay. So, so don't, don't get lost. Don't get tangled up in this as if God was literally going to act in this motion. Now he did, he did bring the flood, but listen to this. Noah found grace and he found favor in the eyes of the Lord. And I put, as I was going through this, I'm like, this could potentially be the best but in the Bible. And ha, 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 I don't have my laughing punch bad up right now. But this could be God did not fully act on that regret, but rather he found Noah and Noah found favor and Noah found grace with God. So for a moment, I'm going to come back to that in a second, but I want to talk about finding favor and grace with God. Something that I think about often is like, God, how can I have favor? Lord, how can I walk in favor? How can I, I walk in a pleasing manner towards you so that I can have your favor in the responsibilities and the things that I have leadership over, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. So here's just a few thoughts that I want to give you today on the Grace One Daily Podcast. Number one is that favor comes from a right relationship with God. When we talk about getting God's favor, the danger can be that we're trying to get God's attention regarding something that we want. And that's where the fine line is, is sometimes when I'm praying, I'm fasting and praying, when I started off fasting and praying this year, is that sometimes the goal is like getting God's attention just so that I can get what I want. That's, that's not the favor of God. That's, again, me manipulating or pursuing God in a very selfish manner. God's favor naturally flows out of someone who has a strong relationship with him. So the focus has to be, or the focus I need to keep turning to over and over again is I I just need to focus on making sure that my relationship, that I have a strong relationship with God, because when I have a strong relationship with him, then his favor just naturally flows out of that. See, some people are always in, in pursuit of, you know, going to a church or to a minister or, you know, I have just wacky thoughts of like, I got to get God's favor. I got to get God's favor. Well, stop making that the goal. Just make a strong relationship with Jesus your goal. When you then do things habitually that create a strong relationship with Christ, you will by nature 
And the natural residual or outflow of that strong relationship comes the favor of God. How many people cried, you know, for example, let me give you an example of this. How many people cried out to God when the flood was rising? You know, here's Noah, this guy that builds a boat, builds the ark on dry land. Everyone is sinful. They think he's crazy. But when the flood actually began to come and rise and people are literally beginning to drown, how many of them actually think they cried out to God? I bet you a lot of them did. They're like, oh, God, save us. God, save us in that moment. But because they did not have any relationship with God, uh, they missed it. They missed the boat. <laughs> um, no pun intended, but they missed the boat, right? And, and, and that, that's crazy. That's sad, actually. Not, not funny. But that's what we do, don't we? Like, we wait till we need something for God to cry out for his favor rather than just living daily for Jesus. And then out of that comes the favor of God. Here's the second thing. Is that obedience is this obedience to God's commands. Check this out in Proverbs chapter three, verses one through four, reading out of the Amplified. It says, my son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life worth living in tranquility and prosperity, the wholeness of life's blessings they will add to you. Do not let mercy and kindness and truth leave you. Instead, let these qualities define you. Bind them securely around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. So find favor and high esteem in the sight of God and man first, God first, and man second. And it also says this in Proverbs twenty two twenty nine. Do you see a man skillful and experienced in his work? He will stand in honor before kings. He will not stand before obscure men. What is this saying? The Bible's telling us that when we walk, when our hearts and we literally live out and keep the commands of God, what is, again, these are natural residuals, tranquility, prosperity, mercy, truth, kindness. These qualities begin to flow out of someone who has a relationship with Jesus Christ. So in, instead of trying to get them or, or earn them, am I making sense is that rather you're pursuing God and out of that pursuit of him comes favor, blessing, and all, and all those things that come along with serving God and following his commandments, right? So just work, again, work on following the commandments of the Lord. You know, I, as a pastor, I pray for people here, problems, situations, circumstances, and usually people, which is not a bad thing on Sunday morning, we're praying, we're praying for all kinds of things. But sometimes it, it is the truth and reality that that person's coming up. I need prayer for this. Ah, you know, life is getting crazy and life probably didn't need to get crazy like that. If they would have just obeyed the commands of God, if, if we, we put, putting myself because my life gets crazy sometimes and I'm not always perfectly living out the commands of God, right? Here's the third thing. When we take on a mindset of excellence, that's how we get the grace and we get the favor of God, really connecting what I just said before. This is a great verse. I love it. One of my favorite all-time verses. I probably put this in my top 10, maybe even top time, top five power verses in Colossians 3.23. It says, whatever you do, whatever your task may be, work from the soul that is put in your very best effort as something done for the Lord and not for men. Guys, do you want favor? Do you want the favor of the Lord like Noah had? Then, then take on a mindset of excellence. I'm in a church, a great church. It's not like a mega church, maybe a nationally known church. But I have to keep this in mind uh, every day that I'm, when I'm doing my job. When I say like on a Wednesday night when that's not our, our biggest crowd, it's our smallest crowd, or other times throughout the year, I got to make sure that I'm doing things with excellence, that I'm giving God whatever I'm doing 
that I'm doing it with all my soul, that I'm putting my best effort into it because I'm doing it for the Lord. And I recognize when I do that mindset and that attitude that God's favor comes. And I tell people this all the time, funny story, back in one of my podcast archives, you can hear the story that I have worked for three different pizza places in my life, Pizza Hut, Domino's, and Papa John's, and I have been an employee of the month at all three of those companies before. And I take great honor and pride in that. It's awesome. Uh, But all that to say is when I was even working that job, which seems very minimal and insignificant, I always tried to do my best. And I tried to do it with excellence. And in every one of those jobs, God continued to honor me. And, and because, number one, God notices excellence. Let me tell you that first and, first and foremost. God notices when you do things with your best and as unto him. And guess what? Also, people notice excellence. And I have a story the other day in our area in southern Missouri. Isn't it funny wherever you live that there's like the really popular gas stations? So when I was in... Um, Utah, there are Mavericks there. So shout out to the, our audience listening in Utah. There's like Maverick gas stations all over the place there. And here in Missouri, we have zero Maverick gas stations. Um, and then like in, we're getting more and more here in Missouri, but like when I was in South Carolina, QTs are everywhere. Uh, and here we have Casey's like, that's, that's the like sweet, that's the bomb gas station. So uh, Casey's and anyway, the other day I went in getting gas, et cetera, those kind of things. And I hear this guy walk in uh, and, and he, just kind of a goofy looking guy. I'm sorry to judge it based on parents, but kind of a goofy looking guy. And he's just coming in there, call loud, noisy. And I hear him talk to the guy that's making pizza and sandwiches over there. He's like, Hey, what's going on over there? Are you working or hardly working? And, uh, he's like, I try to do as little work as possible. I've never worked a day in my life, you know, and just laughing about it and just, you know, trying to get everyone's attention. And it's just really kind of awkward, and here's the reality. This sounds very judgmental, but based on the guy's appearance, based on the guy's car that he was driving, his attitude and mindset, I was like, you know, that, that guy is not a person of excellence. And he even is like bragging how he's not a person of excellence. And I can tell you one thing about that guy without even having to meet him, based on his behavior, his attitude, his mindset, what he's literally spoken with his mouth, that that guy doesn't have the favor of God. And so if you're going to take on that mindset, like just to be lazy and to not do things with excellence, then that's a good way to not get the favor of God in your life. All right. (laughs) So anyway, there's some advice on how to get God's favor and grace in your life. And, And I mean, it's already there, but God's favor working powerfully. So here's a conclusion back to Noah. God has regretted making man, right? But Noah finds favor in Isaac God, which in one sense saves humanity, but as we know, still led to the flood. So here's the last couple of thoughts I want to give you in regards to the specific thought of no regrets is number one, that there are repercussions to our regretful decisions. You know, we have to understand God is so full of love, grace, mercy, kindness, but it doesn't exclude us from judgment or having to live with the residual of, of our mistakes or our regrets sometimes. Example, I always joke about when I first moved to Southern Missouri here, there's a town south of us called Diamond and it's like speed trap city, I guess. I didn't know that. And uh, what did I get? I got a speeding ticket. And when that cop pulled me over, I had to deal with the consequences <laughs> of, of you know my decision. All right. And so that happens sometimes. And here's the last thing as we wrap up this podcast today in terms of no, living life with no regrets is the only way to get past a regret is by bringing closure to it. So this is very, very interesting. Let me just read this to you because I love when I'm discussing or talking about godly topics. I love to, in turn, go and search out the internet for secular perspectives on some of these kind of things. 
not because I need their perspective, but I love to kind of process how they're processing things and very, very, very interesting. So here's an article, a little brief piece of this article I'm going to read and then we'll close. It says, I don't think it's possible to live without regrets, but if you want to feel less regret for your actions and inactions, then closure may be the key to lock the gates of your mind against rumination. Sometimes you can find a current or future action that will change the past. When people see clear future opportunities, they often feel less regret for past events. But even without a chance for future action, you may still be able to find psychological closure. Instead of ruminating over the event of your failure to act, change your thoughts. Think about how you've changed or grown. Find a reappraisal of the, that, that event. Think about the person you've become. Reappraising the past event may be an effective tool for leading a sense of closure. And so this, this is from like psychologytoday.com or something. And anyway, what happened for God? So God, I will go back to this thought. So going back to what we just read in the beginning, that God regretted that he made man. He had regret. God, God had regret. And he found Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord and all those kind of things. But, but God had to bring, the only way that God could get rid of that regret that he had regarding man was he had to, he had to get closure on it. He had to bring closure to that regret that he had. And God responded by bringing closure to his relationship with humanity through his son, Jesus Christ. Now, that would take a period of time. And there were, a lot of things would all unfold between the flood and them. But God, God ultimately brought closure to that regret he, he had over mankind by bringing Jesus Christ to us. So because of Jesus Christ, his grace, his mercy, I don't have to worry about that anymore. I don't have to worry about like, oh no, maybe God's going to have another uh, Genesis moment there and like, just want to exterminate us. Ah. No, I don't, I don't have to view that. I don't have to have that perspective anymore because God has brought closure regarding my sin and my brokenness be regarding who I was before him because of Christ, his son, Jesus Christ, there's no more regret. And now I don't have to regret my old life. Now that I'm in him, I don't have to live with regret. I can live in freedom. I can live in grace. I can live in God's favor. So in 2020, I'm not for sure that we'll be able to live without no regrets, but at least we'll live in the grace and the mercy and the favor of God. Amen. Thanks for listening, guys. We'll talk to you next time.